Welcome to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. Good morning, the city. How are we doing? Now, although I can't see every one of you, just some of you here who are on site, I'm going to trust that you are at home. Uh, uh, sitting, standing, whatever, looking good and, and smiling right back at me. Now, you know, this season, we kind of don't realize, I don't know if you realize, but we kind of starve for smiles because we cannot see. Okay, so right there at home, I'm going to just imagine that you're smiling right back at me and all those of you on site, you're smiling behind your mask. Uh, but I get to smile without my mask and uh, why don't you go ahead and send maybe a smile to someone, right? Like someone you know, one person, maybe your akung or you know, your LG leader or whoever you're mom okay uh, but but all that to say uh, I realized that uh, I miss seeing people smiling right whether you're at the shop or uh, you're walking down the street on the bus uh, and uh, little things like that that you know just just such a relief to be able to see someone's whole face at one time in the house at home or wherever you're able to unmask right is not such little things that we miss and it's such a season that we've been in right over uh, around the world uh, but all that to say as we go into week two of our missional life right um, I am praying that every week it's going to speak right to where you are you know last week Pastor Andre brought such a brilliant solid word on you know holy ambition and I know for one that for some of you this really challenged you and spoke to you where you are. So I hope you took time to reflect on and respond to that word, right? Respond to God's challenge. And if you haven't, do that this coming week. You know, don't squander it. And why do I say that? Uh, I, I was just uh, praying through how do I want to begin this morning. And you know, one of the things that God kept re- has been, you know, re- repeatedly reminding me about is how a year ago, just back when we first started online prayer meetings, I don't know if some of you may remember that, and maybe back around July or August, I think. And that was when uh, a couple of us kind of sense how God is bringing many of us into a season of like transition or, or, or uh, um, the word like conversion, like in terms of ch- choices and decisions regarding our career or our work. And this really is not just because of the disruption by the pandemic, but God wanting to lead us deeper into his purposes in our lives and through our lives. And so in year in from like last year, right, I can honestly say I've seen uh, many of us uh, some of you t- tuning in, many of us in the city doing that, and God has truly just been leading us to go deeper in faith. And I say that having seen and observed. So this series, although it may not seem you know so suitable, like I'm not sure if I'm uh, a place in my life where I'm like learning to be missional, I'm like not ready or whatever for various reasons. I believe that God is really just calling us to go and lean in and listen what He is doing. We're not waiting for uh, things to get better. Things are better where God is working, and God is working in the midst of our climate right now. And how are we leaning in and responding to his challenge? So this morning as we gather together, I'm so glad that Tim felt led to pray for, you know, breakthrough for some of us with different issues. And and, uh, that's something that I had felt as well, you know, just before we begin the sermon. So before we start, I just want to take a minute to just pray for us to be able to uh, hear God. Right, Not hear me, but hear what God has to say, and then we'll jump right in. So Lord, this morning, we're here not just to listen to human words, uh, to a message that's prepared, uh, but God, we're here to listen to your heart. And so as a church, uh, as the city, we're here and we present ourselves uh, uh, united before you, and, and we present our lives. And we say, God, you have your way. And you do with us as you desire, uh, as you see fit. Not based on what we see. And Lord, you take us in deeper into obedience and in, in, in an adventure of faith with you. And as we listen to you, your heart would beat 
and resonate with ours and lead us to follow you in your steps wherever you may lead us. And we pray this uh, knowing full well that some will be uncomfortable, some will be, uh, you know, like, oh, wow, it's, there's this struggle. Well, right now, where some of us may be struggling with health or work issues, we pray that this uh, is just an invitation we respond to to say, yes, God, what do you want? to tell me this morning and that our ears our, our ears and our eyes be fully open to you and sensitive to your work within our hearts and with that we pray in Jesus name amen amen you guys okay very quiet uh, right, so we're going to go into week two, and we know that while God is at work, right, we also acknowledge that there is resistance to what God wants to do. And so I'm, I just want to plug right now, like if you, again, I, I don't know, maybe you've heard this many times, but you've never joined uh, Seek First Prayer, I just also felt like I want to call y'all to join, okay? If you can, like set aside, what, don't, don't be like, oh, you know, all these months I've never joined, so uh, it's just for that group of people uh, join you suddenly some random Thursday night you find it, oh mm, I've got nothing to do please or better yet set aside this coming Thursday or the following Thursday or Tuesday morning just tune in and, and join in and pray because the season as we go through the series I'm also just putting it out there we want to contend for each other you know, not just for ourselves. And so corporately, let's in in and intercede and pray uh, because God is wanting to do so much deep work in our lives uh, beyond what we think he wants to do. All right? Is that good? All right. Now, with that week two, we're talking about God on mission, right? And uh, the question that I'll put out to start with is, think for a few seconds on this statement, right? It is not the church that has a mission in the world. It is God who has a mission which includes the church. Again, it is not the church that has a mission to fulfill in the world. It is God who has a mission which includes the church. Now, it's not about which is correct, maybe both correct, but the distinction that is drawn out when we think about it is God who has a mission. And therefore, the church's mission is because God is on mission, right? And, and so the who is the key, right? God being the initiator. In the times that we're living in, right, how are we rooted in the story of God that he is writing? He continues to complete, right, in history. God, who is the creator of all things, right, the initiator of the plan. Right, of redemption for all of us, the faithful one who perfects his plan and perfects us. And, and it's not only the who, as in God being the initiator, but even that being the very nature of God himself. In other words, mission is not so much what the church, what we do, our activity, uh, our plans, whatever, as a church, but mission is more so that it's fundamentally the being of God. The very nature of God, right? Look at these verses with me. John 17, 20 to 21. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Jesus speaking here, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they, the disciples, also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The Father has sent his Son. John 15, 26, but when, here Jesus speaking to his disciples, when the helper comes, whom I will send to you, the disciples, from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me, Jesus says. So Jesus, uh, says, the Father has sent me, and here is saying, I will send the Holy Spirit to you. God the Father sending the Son, and then the Son sending the Spirit. You, you kind of get this, you know, the truth. Trinitarianness, you know, of, of what's the sending going on. And it expands to Father, Son, and Spirit sending us into the world just as Christ was sent. John 20, 21, Jesus says to his disciples, as the Father has sent me, even so, I am sending you. Right? David Bosch, who uh, is one of the primary, you know, like, foremost thinkers of mission. He writes, this mission is not an activity of the church primarily, but attribute of God. 
he is a missionary God. And we've been hearing that for the last couple of weeks. It's not the church that has a mission. It is the mission of the Son and Spirit through the Father that includes the church, us. Mission is therefore a movement from God to the world. Church is an instrument for that mission. Church is not the goal of that mission. We are an instrument for it. There is church because there is mission, not vice versa. To participate in mission is to participate in the movement of God's love towards people. Do you see that? God moving towards people out of his love, and our mission is to join in that because God is a fountain of sending love, right? I love how poetic that sounds, even though uh, his book is not a poetry book. But let me delve a bit more into this, and, and, and so we understand what this really means, the implication of it for us. When we talk about God's mission, right, the mission of God, there is significance in knowing this Latin term, missio dei. Right, which is generally translated as mission of God or the sending of God. Um, long history, and, and you know, throughout Christian history, it's been developed, like reused, reimagined various uh, ways. It can be traced back to Augustine, even, or it, yeah. And Thomas Aquinas was the first one to use this term to talk about the activity, the sending activity of God. Until the 16th century, Missio Dei was used exclusively with reference to the doctrine of the Trinity, which we just talked about from John, uh, the book of John. The Father sending the Son, who in turn sends the Spirit. And Karl Barth says, the sending activity of God is the true and original meaning of mission. And what the church does is we merely reflect uh, in this, we, we reflect the sending of God and we participate with God in it. And what does it mean? What's, so what's the significance? What's the meaning of understanding Missio Dei? What's the point, significance of seeing mission as God's nature? Not just an activity we do as a church. Before the sending of any missionaries or any church, there was God who sent his son. God, the sending of God. Before any uh, missionary plan or, or organization, there was God who sent his son. Before any plan for mission or trip or team uh, for missions existed, there was God's redemption plan. Right? And this should fundamentally completely change our conviction and our posture as the church. Right? And that, that neither the church nor any human agent can be considered the author or the bearer of mission. And our understanding of mission way too small, right? Uh, uh, but then when what is truly captured in this understanding from scripture? And how should this shape our mission agenda and our actions? Mission is a work of the triune God for the sake of the world, right? So really, all of our mission thought, all that we think about what mission is, agenda, our practices for mission, our actions of justice and mercy, all this must be defined by the character, the attribute of a missionary God, and it must reflect his character and his attribute as ascending God. So all of our mission... All that we are and do must be defined by and reflect the attribute of God who sends, right? Now, when we say yes, okay, yeah, I get it, Janice, you're saying that. Mission is movement from God to the world, and we join God's mission for the sake of the world. Yeah, okay, it should change the way we live as disciples, as church. It's really whole life. And my world was... A, you know, my world, well, my world of churchianity was really changed uh, many years ago when God really apprehended my imagination and led me on a journey of just re-understanding re what his mission really means. And that changed my life and brought me through Bible school with, with a very different lens. And you know what's something hugely significant is that this really is all through scripture. To be specific from the start, even when God called Abraham, God was already forming a people who would join him in his mission. 
Genesis 12, when God said to Abraham, go from your country, I will make you into a great nation, and I will make you a blessing to bless the others, right? Bless you so you'll be a blessing. We'll look at two OT passages here real quick uh, before we go further. Genesis 18, 18 to 19 tells us, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. I have chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. We'll look at Exodus 19, 5 to 6. Now, therefore, God speaking to Moses for the rest of the, the people of Israel. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you shall speak to the people of Israel. Now, when have we heard these phrases recently? Kingdom of priests, holy nation. First Peter, First Peter 2.9. Exodus 19, treasured possession. The statement about Israel's purpose and function in the world. Not just about themselves, but other nations. And in both Exodus 19 and Genesis 18 that we just looked at, Israel is to live up to this call, follow in God's way faithfully, and become a priestly kingdom among the nations. And I want you to see this with this lens when you read the scripture. Three major themes with regard to Israel, God, and other nations. Okay. Speeding through, because we're not, this is not like the main part, okay? This is just giving you a picture of how scripture through from the Old Testament to the New shows how God is a God on mission, right? Three themes, which all show God starting somewhere and then expanding, okay? First, blessing starts with Abraham and his descendants and is to include the nations. Blessing, I bless you that you may bless others, right? That you will be a kingdom of priests, right? And then you will, uh, uh, beyond the people of Israel, be this holy nation that brings others to know me. That blessing, good things that come from God to sow shalom uh, in the world today, right? Blessing that starts with Abraham. Second theme you see is this knowing or knowledge of Yahweh, to come to know intimately who Yahweh is and goes out to the nations. This blessing relates to the nations coming to know who Yahweh is, right? Through Israel. Think Pharaoh. You know, by the end, uh, the goal was always for Moses and the people of Israel to leave Egypt, that they will know, that the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. Moses in the wilderness, when, you know, God was threatening to destroy the people for their sins, you know, God was, Moses was praying, praying, like, think about your reputation. He was interceding. But hey, you know, don't the nations need to know who you are? Moses was concerned because he knows God desires for the nations to know him, that the nations are watching. Who is this God that these people are worshiping, right? So there is this need for the knowledge of Yahweh to go beyond Israel to the nations, right? Third theme, Israel as the beginning of the kingdom of God in the world. Is kingdom of God a theme in the Old Testament? We probably are very familiar with Jesus saying, the kingdom of God is here, the kingdom of God is near, the kingdom of God is in you. Where God is king, that is the sphere of the rule of God, right? But God's bigger purpose is to bring his, his whole kingdom throughout the world, starting with Israel, as these priests who are set apart to mediate this blessing of God to the other nations. So you see these themes show God's particular choosing of Israel was for the universal. God, Israel, and the nations. It's not that the Old Testament is about Israel being chosen and then in the New Testament, God shifts his plan. Okay, it's the Gentiles now. It's not, it's not, right? Israel was never chosen for Israel's own sake. Never. Uh, or Israel's own privilege, but for the sake of others. Yes, there is a distinct, distinctive place for Israel in the story of God until the end, but he always had in mind the inclusion of the other nations not exclusion. It's one redemption plan revealed and accomplished in Jesus, the Messiah. 
from God's self-revelation throughout the drama in Scripture, this story from creation to fall to salvation to consummation at the end of the day that we embrace, this is the story. Jesus is the linchpin. So Scott McKnight says, you know, that Jesus, when he says the kingdom of God is here, he is saying that it is to spread from Israel to encompass the whole world, right? Let me read you this quote, and then we'll talk a little bit more about what that looks like for us. Daryl Guder says the purpose of God's action is descending, right? And we've learned that the biblical message is really more radical than we know. It's more radical, more inclusive, more transforming than we have allowed it to be. We limit the mission of God. In particular, we have started to see the church of Jesus as not the purpose or the goal of the gospel, but its instrument, its foretaste, its witness. God's mission is calling and sending us to be the missionary church in the cultures in which we find ourselves. So I would define just for us to look at, and hopefully in a way that is easier to remember, the mission of God this way. Adapted from multiple uh, places. The mission of God is God's attribute and activity of reconciling all of creation to himself so that he might reign and live among his people for all eternity. Reconcile all creation to himself. What does that mean? Not just humanity, but all of creation. He would want to make everything new. Revelation 21. Everything, relationships, culture, the world, our systems, everything. He wants to make all things new. And the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. Luke 19. Look at Romans 8, chapter, uh, chapter 8, verse 21, 22. All of creation will be set free from this bondage to corruption. And we're groaning, all of creation is groaning, waiting for the consummation of that final day. Right? Colossians 1, which we looked at last year uh, through a new Bible study. For in him, Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through Jesus, to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. God wants to reconcile all creation to himself. Why? Because he loves. John 3.16, because God loves us. His abounding love. Ephesians 2 verse 4 to 7 tells us, but God being rich in mercy. When we were dead, he made us alive, right? The next part of this definition, that he might reign. The mission of God being God's attribute and activity to reconcile all. Why? So that he might reign with and live among his people. Do you know, from the garden to the tabernacle to the veil being torn to the new city of God that is to come, all God desires is to dwell with his people. He wants to be near us. He wants the space where there is the sacred space where he can dwell among his people. His desire was always to be with us. A great multitude from every tribe and tongue is what we'll see. You see this in Revelation 7. When we pursue the presence of God as church. Now let's not go towards even Revelation 7. Even now here on earth, whenever we come to worship together, right now as you're listening, we're going into the word together. Whenever we come together and pray, we worship. Whenever we fellowship two or three in his name, we are participating in God's desire to reign with his people, to be among us, to be enthroned upon our praises we are participating with God's desire Revelation 21 verse 3 tells us this I heard a loud voice from the throne saying behold the dwelling place of God is with men he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God further down that chapter verse 22 John says I saw no temple in the city but God the Almighty and the Lamb they are the temple I'm amazed to see sometimes, if we are looking, how chock full of this is throughout scripture. Mission is way more than going to the world, Matthew 28. It's way more than that. Way bigger is not a task, a department, or mission trips. We are the collective witness for the kingdom of God. We are the sign 
of the kingdom of God. We are a foretaste, like a sampling of this kingdom of God that is going to fully come. We are the instrument of bringing about God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. That is what we are witnessing to. We are a tangible witness. We are a collective witness. Not me alone, but we. By our lives, our deeds, and our words. And the mission of God being God's attribute and activity is because of his love for us so that he can dwell with us. So knowing this, what does that look like and how do we join God and his mission? How do we live in a way that this is not merely uh, uh, something we schedule once in a while or something we budget once in a while? How do we integrate this? And Pastor Andre introduced uh, the most amazing acronym last Sunday, TPI, Teaching Practices and Integration, if you remember this. Can memorize it. Teaching, P, Practices, can we show this like an integration, TPI? There you go. Yes. And throughout this series, we're going to like, you know, pop up this slide here occasionally. But just to remind us, we're not just talking theology here. We're talking about how we live this theology out. All of us are living some form of theology out, right? Uh, uh, and so this morning, as we hear about this understanding of mission of God, how do we integrate it, not just... Um, as actions, but how is it a posture, an attitude, a view by which we see the world and who we are, uh, what we do, people on mission. But, so there is a huge gap, right, between all that we're talking about and the way we really live, right? There's a, there's a gap between our faith and the world. I mean, you know, Moses called out, that's great, you know. Uh, Abraham was very brave. He just went not knowing where he was going. God called him out. Paul, brave man, shipwrecked, stoned, died many deaths, still alive after that. Uh, I mean, just these great heroes of the faith. And we hear of people like, you know, those who would expose themselves to the plague on behalf of their friends while others flee to the hills, uh, these kind of Christians, where you're like, oh, that's not my experience uh, as a Christian at all, right? Our day-to-day -day lives, um, how are we living out this? Is there a gap? Maybe we're, you know, the chicken rice auntie that you see all the time, you hardly ever say anything to her, and, or, you know, the, the, the grab driver, whatever it is, how is our day-to-day -day life integrating this? We struggle, right? Let's admit that we struggle to represent our faith. Sometimes we just, we feel like scum. Or we just feel like I'm not representing my faith at all, right? I'm not even, don't talk about uh, being missional. I'm not even like pointing myself to God uh, on some days. And that's, that gap is real. That struggle is real. I struggle with that. You struggle with that. Oh, we are growing together, right? We're not talking about perfection. We're learning this together. And we really need to be formed together. Right? Not on our own. So how do we join God as his reps, his representatives? And here's where we're going to jump into a, a short passage. Okay, In 2 Corinthians 5, Paul talks about the work of reconciliation that God has called us to. As the church, as God's people, he uses this word ambassador. So how do we join God as his ambassadors? 2 Corinthians 5, verse 11 to 21. Kind of long. So... I'll read. If, you're, if you'd like, you can read along. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. Verse 15. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, 
Therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are, there it is, ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What is an ambassador? Someone who is a representative of the, their home country, of another place. On behalf of that place, they are sent as a representative of, of the leaders of that country or the ideals of that country, the culture from which they come. An authorized representative, right? A spokesperson. An ambassador is also a spokesperson on behalf of the government that sent you, on behalf of the culture that you've, you're from. Someone sent on assignment, not by accident. Someone who functions under the sovereignty of God, or the sovereignty of his home country, sorry. Someone who functions under the sovereignty of his home country while in another country. Or if it helps, think about a, like a brand ambassador. Right. Uh, recently, one of the young adults I know became a jump rope ambassador. Uh, so convincing that I, I bought a jump rope. Uh, and, and so she started joining, uh, you know, she would post, she would go on Insta Live where people are talking about which brand, like which jump rope, why they're good. Uh, so it's just, you see like so someone who is like an influencer, whatever, right? You are uh, recommending, you are endorsing certain products or services as a brand ambassador. Or if you walk into like an Apple store, it's a whole different universe. Uh, you know, there are lots of us very willing ambassadors for this micro kingdom called Apple, uh, although not all of us. But there are different rules in there, right? So it's almost like they function uh, with different rules and, and culture. Or some of you, or maybe many of you know, me having grown up in Sabah, I'm a very proud ambassador of my homeland. But then there's also, the, there are many things I'm proud about, some of them, not everything. But then there's, so there's this accidental ambassador bit, right? Where you also end up representing parts of the culture uh, that you're not very proud of, right? So in my case, maybe a separate conversation, there are things uh, that I'm not so keen to be an ambassador for with regard to Sabah, but it's the same, right? Like, like if you used to recommend a brand and it turns out that company is really shady or you know, it's very oppressive and you just can't accept it. So it is accidental ambassador of some sort. And this kind of happens with us too, with the church, right? Oh, you're a Christian? Oh, you're one of those? You, know. you mean, you know, those narrow-minded, self-righteous people? You're really? You're one of them? Or the other way, it's not any better. It's like, oh, you're a Christian? You're What's that? Like, What's a Christian? Like, you're a part of this church. What does the church do here? What do y'all do? Leslie Newbegin writes on this. How can, because the most impactful phrase is at the end. That's how we get y'all to tune in longer because, you know, just long quotes and then it's at the end. Not really, but it's incredible. Just, just track with me this quote. How can the strange story of God made flesh, of a crucified savior, of resurrection and new creation become credible for those whose entire mental training has conditioned them to believe that the real world is the world which can be satisfactorily explained and managed without the hypothesis of God? I know of only one clue of answering that question. Only one real hermeneutic of the gospel, a congregation which believes it. The only real interpretation, the only real means by which people can come to know and understand the gospel is a church which believes it, which embodies it, which lives it as if it was true. 
And we pray, isn't it, that God would align what is misaligned. But the truth is we are ambassadors of Christ and also of the churches that we are part of or the church that we're part of. Christianity is not intelligible without witness. Stanley Howell says the purpose of the church is actually not to prove that Christianity is true, but to demonstrate to the world what it is like if it is true. All the more, it's not to be depressing, but it's exciting. All the more, here is this challenge and this opportunity in our day for us to grow as faithful witnesses on mission that flows out of God's love that is so lacking in our societies and to be his prophetic voices in the wilderness today. This is our opportunity, church, to be faithful witnesses and let God align his people on his mission to reconcile all to him. So from this passage, we are going to look at how we can be ambassadors who have different vision, authority, motivation, and message. Not dwelling on each one long, but just skimming through. Ambassadors who have a different vision because the passage reminds us that we regard no one according to the flesh anymore. Verse 16, right? But if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The new has come. And verse 15 also reminds us, so therefore we do not live for ourselves anymore. We have a new vision. The way we see the world, we see people, must be different. Our eyes have been opened to what God is wanting to do. And many of us need to reorient our lives, like Pastor Andre talked about holy ambition last Sunday. And, and right where we are, in your homes, wherever you're staying, at your, uh, in your workplaces or in your schools, in your neighborhoods, in your you know, HDB block, whatever, these are your mission outposts. Right? We see people differently. We ought to. And we see the needs differently than, uh, than we used to. What God is doing, we interpret differently. We, God gives us new vision for what he wants to do. Right? And so we, as those who represent the kingdom, we get our vision from God. And so we represent that. From this passage, we also learn as ambassadors of God, we have a different authority. We function under a different authority. Verse 11, it talks about the fear of the Lord. We reverence God, right? So we're not acting on our behalf. We're not acting on our own or for our own uh, will or sake. But we are a people under God's authority, submitted to him. We represent God's authority. Otherwise, you're not ambassadors, right? And sometimes we, this takes us where we are totally unqualified. You know that? Because we function by a different authority, God would sometimes have us go to places where you, you have no right to be there. Who are you? But God gives us that authority, and God would call us to places where you have no right of being. Or he also gives us a different way of using power. The different ways that we have power or influence, because we function by a different authority, how we view power being used, how we respond to power, how we use it to right relationships, to reconcile people and things to God, to, 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 to act justly, all this, because God's will is of utmost priority, not ours. And so we function by a different authority when we recognize God is on this mission and we join him. We speak on behalf of Jesus. We act on behalf of Jesus in obedience to him. Our identity, our words, our conduct, not our eloquence, not intelligence or looks, whatever. But we do all be on behalf of Jesus who has sent us. That is who we are. Ambassadors function with a different motivation. Verse 14, for the love of Christ controls us. Some version says compel. It compels us like, like an engine being thrusted forward. There is no way you cannot move. Why was Paul so compelled to do all the things that he was saying and doing? Because Christ's love compelled him. It, it constrained him in a way, I cannot but do this. I cannot not 
act on God's behalf for our decisions, our attitudes. Other people may have different motivations. Others can, but I cannot and I will not. I will follow God, right? We are compelled to be shaped by the motivations God would have us have. Because in many ways, we are to be a distinct culture, right? Exiles in this place. So we need God's compassion to be our motivating factor. We need God to keep us humble, repentant, grateful, our hearts contrite and broken before Him. We need God to constantly convict us of our need for Him and be dependent on Him in our spirits. And so in many ways, right, we cannot help but be bold where boldness is required and be sensitive where sensitivity is needed. Not either one. To be bold, like, you know, I'm on mission, you know, I just say anything, you know, you're offensive. I just say whatever I want, do whatever. No, right? We are bold, but at the same time, God calls us to be sensitive, to be tuned to His Spirit, to be mindful of what He is wanting to say, when and how, right? We do not compromise, but we're not seeking to be abrasive. We are wanting to be bold and sensitive and to be doing that together. We function by a different motivation. We also function because we have a different message. Now this passage tells us in verse 18 and 19, all this is from God. Jesus not just gave us the ministry of reconciliation as in the act of it, the doing. Jesus has entrusted to us this message. We are that message. We are the hermeneutic of this message of reconciliation. People interpret God's work in their lives through us. Isn't that amazing? God has given us this, so we proclaim and we also do. Our word, our deed, our lives are our ministry of reconciliation. What vision has God given you? Lay hold of it. Who is the prevailing authority in your life? What motivates you to be who you are? Have you thought about this? What is your true motivation? And this is not to shame or condemn, but simply examine. What motivates you to do what you do. Because others expect you to do social justice. Because others expect you to be nice. What message does your life embody? If you don't have words to put and you don't slap it across, you know, what ambassador you are, if people look at your life, the image that you project, the person you are and the things you do, the way you advertise what you believe in, what message do people see? Through our relationships, our values, our choices, our community, what do we embody? When we recognize who we are because of God, we can function in this different way. Now, I've shared so much. For some of you, like, wow, okay, enough, eh? I don't know if some of you feel this sounds a bit grandiose, like, wow, like a world rescue plan, like a bit too big, too grandiose for me. Or some of us have a baggage about this word. And we're ending soon. You hear the word missional, you're like, oh, you know, that word again. Or you kind of help thinking, like, what's the point? You know, are we just talking? Are we actually, like, doing this? Let me share... Just as one last, and because this is how I felt God wanted us to close today, and then we'll end on this note, all right? This passage is one of my favorite from Ephesians, um, this text here. It says, but God being rich in mercy. Do you see that? But God. And I don't know if you feel it, but like if you read the entire passage, it's like this part is like, but God, like, like it's, it's the hinge of a door. It goes on to talk about the state of us before God. 
but God. God being rich in mercy because of the great love. This passage captures, it gives us this vision how God loves us. It gives us this, this, this sense of God has given us this. What motivated God to move towards us? To reconcile us to himself? His love. God was moved by his love for us. His love, check this out, rich in mercy. Great love, which he loved us. By grace, he seated us, given us all authority. He shows the, so that he can show more riches of his grace in kindness toward us. Do you see how full and robust the language there is of God's loving grace? His mercy towards us. You know, what Jesus left his disciples were not qualifications like degrees or smarts or mission funding or fail-safe methods or a perfect church system. No. He encountered them. He restored them, healed them. He infused them with his purpose, presence, power of the Holy Spirit. My Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will receive power when my Spirit comes upon you from on high and you will be my witnesses. And Jesus sends us as he was sent. As my Father has sent me, I send you. I want to tell you this morning, we don't need to join God on mission out of our eloquence, our power or status, our intelligence, our spirituality. Very good. Wow, you know, I feel so deserving. No, none of that can merit us anything to join God on mission. We cannot be good enough. We can't arrive at any time in our lives. But what needs to grip us to recognize that we join God on mission is to see what moved God to pursue you. Before you got to know Jesus, what moved God towards you? What drew him to you? What brought him to come to, into your life? Apprehend you. He pursued you, forgave you, rescued you, reconciled you. And he does it over and over again. And even if it was just you, he would have pursued you. That, but God, because of the great love, his mission, his movement towards you and I is because of the flowing out of his love for you. That is his mission. It is not an activity just by just, I just need to be doing something. No, God was motivated. He was compelled to you. He was moved to save you. That is our God. He was moved with love for me ugly, horrible me. God was moved with love towards me. And this morning, as his people, we gaze on this. How was God moved? As you listen, if it helps you to focus just on my voice, close your eyes and think for a minute. How has God pursued you with his love? How did God come and meet with you where you are? Before we talk about like, wow, you know, what do I have to give to God? Just be in a posture right now of receiving the flowing out of God's love towards you. And right where you are, and those of us who are seated here, you can choose to respond whether you want to stand or kneel or sit. But I want to encourage you to stretch both hands as a gesture of receiving the flow of God's love to you, of God, the movement of His love towards you. To stretch both of your hands in an open receiving gesture standing or seating and just tell God I receive your love I will just take a moment 
you tell him yourself or just in silence think on his love for you and receive all of it don't feel ashamed don't say hey, I don't deserve it he wants to give all of his love for you so would you just receive all of that let the richness of it just lavish over you just let God lavish his love over you that my child I pursue you I love you I move towards you I rejoice over you I love you God says just receive it and right where you are would you begin to say a brief prayer to him now with your words with your own words and then I'll close in prayer receiving and thanking him thank you Lord we thank you reminded us from Psalm 136 that your love never fails we thank you for reminding us how you love us so much Thank you that before what we do or how good we are doesn't even matter you came for us and we thank you love on us over and over again that you never leave or forsake us and so we receive all this love this morning where perhaps there's weariness or our busyness and our activity has replaced the ability to just receive your love. We thank you that you are the fountain of love. And so we give thanks for your goodness, your grace, your mercy, your compassion, your immeasurable riches of grace and kindness toward us in Jesus. We say we receive it and we worship you alone and may your love be our fuel our focus our foundation all of the days of our lives may your goodness and mercy follow us all this as your people in the name of Jesus Amen Amen